Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy who definitely has codependent traits. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm Jenny. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And with us today to help us explore the program of Codependence Anonymous, also known as CODA for short, which is much easier to say, we have Beverly. Hi, Beverly. Hello, Jason and Billy and Jenny and everyone else who is here. (laughs) I'm Beverly. I am a grateful recovering codependent one day at a time, and I am also a a person in long-term recovery, whatever that means. I'm always curious about that, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To me, one day is long enough, you know. So, especially when it comes to CODA, because there, uh, I, I actually really believe that, I mean, I come from different uh, 12-step programs, but at the core, I think it's CODA that drives all my desire to, uh, to feel better, the character defects of CODA. So, they're, you know, they are, uh, in general, uh, low self-esteem, trying to control trying to um, trying to uh, manipulate uh, being uh, compliant to you know to people and and authority and um, there's some other ones but generally I've always wanted to feel um, happy you know I, I think I started this with I wanted to feel peaceful that's not even true I've always just wanted to feel happy so when I was young, I learned very early on that um, submitting to specifically my father was a safer place for me to live. So I, I, I don't remember rebelling because I don't remember very much about my childhood. But uh, when, I grew, when I grew up a little bit older, I remember trying to rebel against my father and that never, ever, ever worked. So my guess is that I was a rebellious child and I was told to shut up or, you know, or, and um, so I learned to submit. And that got me kind of a long ways for a long time. The only emotion I actually really knew was happy. If I was, if I was sad, I'll give you a reason to cry. And if I was mad, it's like, you know, shut up. And, um, and so, you know, if I was afraid, there was nothing really to be afraid about. Huh? Well, how, how, do, how do you feel safe when all you feel is afraid all the time? So I don't want to I don't want to picture uh, I don't want to kind of portray my family, my parents as tyrants or I don't really want to um, label them because it wasn't their fault. They just did the best they could. Like we all are always doing just the best what we could, given what we have in the moment. And so um, uh, I will say, though, as a child, if I am being punished and then my, um, you know, and I'm holding in crying because I'm not allowed to cry, then my mom will come in and she'll say, you know, your father loves you. He doesn't really mean to do that. And, you know, that, that's really, that's really messes with the brain of a child. 
that's what I learned love was, punishment. So uh, my father didn't allow me to uh, have, uh, like I said, have any any emotion aside from happy. So I learned just to people please. I tried to please him constantly. He was an impossible person to please. And later, I, after many years of therapy, realized a therapist told me, oh, he's a classic narcissist. I didn't. That gave me so much peace to hear that. Like, oh, that's the reason. <laughs> you know, that's the reason he can't love me. And um, and then my mom, classic codependent in absolute compliance and could, had no control to stop my father from from, you know, his own anger, you know. So. Um, so let's see, uh, I want to go fast forward. This people pleasing really um, was fantastic for a little while because People liked me. You know, I hear in the programs all the time that uh, I'd never fit in. I fit in really good because I just turned into exactly who you wanted me to be. And uh, I used to pride myself, I'm a chameleon, you know. And, uh, and, but whenever I'd have, so if I'm one-on-one, -on -one, I'm fantastic because I'll be exactly what you want me to be. I'll eat the food you want, I'll wear the clothes that you wear, I might cut my hair the same way as you. I mean, I just wanted to be liked. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And uh, inside, there was this rebellious little girl who was uh, wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard. And I just had no place to express that safely. So um, fast forward, all my relationships are about me, I mean, I was the best friend. I was the best worker. I was the best daughter to my mom, my father. I could never please. I was the best sister. And how that looked was I learned how to anticipate your needs. And then I gave you what you needed before you even knew you needed it. It's brilliant, a brilliant way of manipulating people into loving you, you know, <laughs> and and it was uh, really detrimental to my health. So how it happened is I, uh, my uh, character, de character defects, if they are not dealt with. So in CODA, we learn how to feel our feelings and, in order to deal with them in order for, them, for healing to occur. And, um, and I didn't know any feeling except happy. And everybody just thought I was bubbly Bev and I, you know, she'll do anything for you. And if you change your mind, it's okay. She's going to be okay with that. And I started getting sick physically. So I was at age 26 um, diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And the way it manifested in my body is I could not um, assimilate. I could not digest my crap, literally. And later I learned that that, that, meant that I, I couldn't digest, assimilate my emotions because I only had happy. I had a husband. I married uh, uh, young. And uh, I mean, every relationship I had, which wasn't, they weren't, there weren't too many. I had long-term relationship eight years with a guy who was super duper. Um, I mean, I went from, what do they say from the fire, the fire, frying pan into the fire with this guy, very abusive man. And um, I just thought that was love. He lo he gave me attention and he must love me because 
he was he gave me a negative attention and that's all I knew. And so um, then I married a man who is, uh, I mean, that man was a rageaholic. And then the man I married was an alcoholic. We were together for 31 years. And so I ended up in Al-Anon first. People always told me I needed Al-Anon for, for the longest time. And, uh, you know, and so I came into the rooms that, in 1984, the, the year I got married to this man. But I didn't stay in the rooms and I didn't stay, come and stay in the rooms until 2012. And, uh, and the, re the way I got into the rooms was I was so desperate. I felt like, uh, I felt like I was underwater and I had my, my lips were just above the water and there would be like this small wave that would come over it every once in a while. Like I just wasn't going to live another moment. I couldn't take another breath. And um, I've, I've tried a lot of things for, for a long time. And a lot of them worked for a little while. I did a lot of therapy. I got into yoga and meditation deeply and um, became a yoga therapist. And and uh, and I even tried Codependence Anonymous. So a, girl, a bunch of girlfriends and, and I tried a bunch of different faith traditions, you know. And all of this worked for a little bit. For a little bit. And... Um, Nothing was sustainable. I've even had a few like really amazing spiritual uh, epiphanies of oneness and love, but those are fleeting. I was looking for, I mean, I would hold on to that like that's how I have to live. And you know what? That's how I get to live, actually. But even, you know, it's really incredible. Well, you guys know. Okay, so the Codependence Anonymous book, this didn't come out, I think, till 2008. Uh, 12 or something like that but before it came out we got uh, a girl some girlfriends of mine found the book the language of letting go by melanie melody beady and it's a one day at a time reading about codependency so we would read that and we would discuss look we're codependent we're codependent we just did it on our own and it 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 was enough for a little while everything was a pretty good for a little while and then uh, I started getting migraine headaches. I was having Crohn's attacks. Uh, I was I was ended up with migraine headaches twenty four seven, and I couldn't work, and I I couldn't teach yoga. Every it was horrific. So I finally found. Um, I'll just say quickly. I found Al-Anon, kicked my husband out of the house, and uh, and Al-Anon allowed me to bring him back into the house before he died a year and a half later from the disease of alcoholism. It was a beautiful, beautiful year and a half together. So the program gave me that. Then um, then I realized, oh, wow, if I'm with an alcoholic that long, I better start looking at that. My therapist told me to go to AA because Al-Anon wasn't on the island uh, at this point. And I had done Al-Anon, and then it was gone. And, uh, and she said, go to AA and... Um, so I started going. She just said, sit in the back of the room. And I started hearing my story. So I had Alan on first. And then I so I did. I had CODA a long time with my friends. Didn't really work the program. We just read the book and thought, okay, we're cured. And then we, um, and then I went to um, Alan on and then AA. And I dipped a little bit into NA because I had a lot of narcotics I was taking for all the pain. And, um, and then landed in CODA. I still have one more program, which 
Every time I find a new program, it really pisses me off because why do I have to have another program? Why can't the 12 steps work for everything? So maybe we'll get into that a little bit. And yeah. uh, so that's how I found Coda. I, I realized I, I met a I met a man in a my husband dies. I meet a man. And he goes, "Hey, do you have you heard of Coda?" Yeah, yeah. And so we started. We brought a Coda meeting to the island, and that's when my program really took off. It, it sustains all pro, all the programs, but there is a reason why I have different programs because I, I you know I'm an addict through and through. But what I what I have to ask myself is, what is going to kill me today? Mm. Yeah, and today, it's food. So I'm also an OA. I had no idea, but mm. here I am, and that's a different that's a different story. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was a little bit longer than I thought it would go, but that's all right, Beverly. Thank thank you so much. And I and I wanna I wish there was like some amazing set of words to say here that could like truly honor you being vulnerable and sharing all that with us because that was a lot, right? That's a lot of personal stuff. So just thank you. Um, I mean, you said so many things. I have all these notes written down over here. I'm like, where do I want to start? One, uh, Melody Beattie, right? Also wrote Codependent No More. One yes. Of the, yeah. One of the main yes. books about that. Um, so I, I guess maybe one of the things I want to start with, you've been a person who has struggled with, you know, what is being called codependency by the program. And maybe there's some other words we call it in, in the therapy language. Um, but I remember hearing a talk by someone who, who was one of the creators of the word codependent and codependency back in the, the 80s or, or late 70s or whatever it was. And they were talking and lamenting the idea that like, they wish they would have called it something else because the idea of codependency that, you know, it was almost like the, the backlash to people being codependent was, oh, you need to go out and just provide yourself with everything and then your relationships will be healthy. And like, that's not exactly accurate because we do need other people and like we're social creatures. And so how do you feel or do you have any feelings about that? Do you like accept or like the codependent moniker does it bother you because it feels like it's a little off because you need people do you not even think about that because you're happy today like tell me about that yeah thanks uh good question um i don't really have uh i want to say i don't have an emotional attachment to that but it's not true because you know labels can keep us so limited i think and uh and it doesn't actually really matter. It doesn't actually matter codependence. You know, there's just, what is codependence? I mean, it's different for everybody. It shows up differently for everybody. And I have a sense that most of us have some codependency tendencies, you know. The, the, uh, and I've had therapists say, you know, you're not a codependent. And then I read, what is a codependent? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm so codependent. To me, though, what matters is, um, am I happy? Am I truly happy? You know, what did I have to do with those emotions that were not happy? I stuffed them. I compartmentalized them. If I was going to use a clinical term, it, was, it would be disassociation. I, that's why I was, when I was drinking, I was a blackout drunk because I just didn't want to feel anything but happy so i just blacked out in everything in every way i could and so um 
to me, it doesn't matter what it's called, and I don't want to get hung up on it. I can understand why. Actually, I think it's fantastic. Now, you know, this is my brain. It just moves all over the place. Every moment is a different, a different perspective. <laughs> and that's what I have to live with all the time. And that's okay. Because life is, uh, you know, a moving target. Fluid. It's, it's so constant. So, you know, I just have to go with it. But what I'm thinking about now is it, it's so vague and so complicated and so individual that it, maybe it gets people thinking about it. And that's enough. Gotcha. If one person thinks about dipping into Codependence Anonymous, and we've all done our job here. <laughs> yeah. If we stay a little bit sober, emotionally, you know, and otherwise, we've done our job here. It's all we need is that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the question. I think it doesn't matter personally to me in this moment. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this is a... <sighs> A question that's going to have a little bit of my own bias in it. So feel free to call that out or just ignore it or whatever. Um, thinking about this idea of one of our questions is what does your program say the problem is, right? And generally for most of the 12-step fellowships, that is there's this spiritual void or, or spiritual lacking, right, or emptiness, um, and, and it's one of those pieces actually of the 12-step world that I think in 2023 it's starting to bother me a little bit because I think I understand what happens a little bit different than just a spiritual emptiness. Um, but I, I'm really interested, especially with CODA feeling like it comes more from the world of like therapy or, or compassion or do they say that it's a different necessary problem or do they get into what the problem is or more of just how to help it today? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I can only speak from my own perspective around it. Okay. Uh, not for CODA, as you know. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, the only requirement for CODA membership is to, a desire for healthy and, uh, I think it's healthy and happy relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't know. Right. Let me see. It's a tradition. The only requirement for membership in CODA is a desire 
for healthy and loving relationships. Ooh. That's the only requirement. That's beautiful. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> right. <laughs> I got a question about you know, the relationship part. So can you yeah. be codependent on not humans? Like, for example, social media or uh, codependent on a, a, like a brand of clothing? Like, I am not whole unless I am wearing this brand of clothing. It, it, like it, like I, my understanding of codependency is it, it fuels your self worth. Can you be, does coda, is it just relationships with people or is it replacing uh, relationships with like non people too? Or is it just people? So I can see social my, media being people too. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 at the core is a, a low self worth. I believe. I think that's the, at the core of, of being human, you know? So, um, I think that it, for me, absolutely social media and outside sources. So when we do, um, you know, the fourth step, it's just like any other fourth step, you know, what, where am I, what am I upset with? So I actually, um, I want to, I want to be specific about your, about your question. It's a, it's really, it's really a good one. The answer in, in short for me is yes. Yes, I can be codependent with things that I think need to be different. Uh, there, I, if I need to have a Louis Vuitton purse in order to have self-worth, it's not really a problem, actually, unless it's a problem, unless my finances are in trouble because I have to buy a $1,000 purse, you know? And, 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 and there, it's so nuanced that it's hard to pinpoint. But it, for me, it comes down to, am I living in integrity with myself. It's the relationship with self, with my higher power, and then with all the world, not just people. It's every establishment, it's every situation, it's it's every little thing, like, I mean, I could go off in a whole, whole bunches of places. So I wanna ask first if, um, if that's sad, if, that, if you have any more to ask about that specifically. No. Jenny. No, you can, you can go on your tangent. well you know it's it's uh i'll give you this example i'll try to be succinct so i am i love the earth i love the planet i want i feel responsibility to it my husband loves the earth and loves the planet doesn't feel that doesn't feel have the same responsibility as i have so here we are he's got the front part of the house i've got the back part of the, the yard and he wants grass. So he's putting down grass seed with what I call poison because it's fertilizer. And uh, and we've got deer and birds and squirrels out there. And all I can think about is how can you put that? Can I say shit on this? Oh, yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> how can you put that poison shit on our, you know, how can you do that? Our, our deer are going to die. I mean, yeah, it's just terrible. And um, and so we would fight about it. Now, that's a problem. He and I not not being able to come to come. We're not, we're not supposed to come together on every little thing. But that's an outside problem that is internally affecting me. And I'm feeling horrible and I'm making him wrong and blah, blah, blah. But it's it's about the planet. It's not necessarily about him, but I'm making it about him. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not, I, it's too much to go into the whole process of it, but basically I work by program. And now I realize that um, 
I have a false sense of responsibility. That's not mine to do. It's not mine to protect the environment. It's mine to do my own little part. If I want to recycle, I recycle. If he, he wants to throw something away, that's on him, you know. So I, I don't have to, but I know it sounds more personal, like it's about us, but it's about different perspectives. And this program gives me a, uh, a new perspective about, about everything, one moment at a time. It's really about, am I disturbed? We all have this gut thing. It's a gut disturbance about a thing, about anything. And if I'm disturbed, I, I need my program. That's kind of the bottom line. And the program always works for me. I've tried so many things, so many things, so many religions, so many other therapies, so many, so many things. And the program is, it always works for me, always. Just this morning, I woke up wanting to avoid this. I almost, I almost wrote, I can't do this. Oh. You want to hear that story? <laughs> sure. So I'm not preparing for this because I don't want to prepare anymore. I just want to show up. And uh, I'm, I'm a real perfectionist, and I need to prepare everything. That's how I've always done it. And whenever I've told my story, I've always had little cheat sheets and all this stuff. And I just said, I don't, I don't want to do that. And so I'm just going along with life. And my husband decides yesterday he's going to paint. It's going to paint the roof, uh, the ceiling in this room, this main room that I'm usually in. And uh, my first response is, Really? You know, I almost have never anything going on. I have this coder thing going on tomorrow, and you're going to take my room away? And, uh, <laughs> but I didn't say that, as, but it's certainly first thought wrong, always my first thought is always wrong. Anyhow, so there was a bit of a resistance. If I'm in resistance, I'm in a character defect. It might be subtle, but it's there. And, uh, I'm in resistance, and I remember going, well, if you can set me up, because I'm not physical right now, someplace else so I can do this code of thing, that's cool. And um, I thought I was okay with that. But I, could, I, I, I didn't know that I wasn't okay. This is how subtle it can be. So he's painting, painting, painting. Everything's out of sort. And um, I start feeling physical pain. And I think it's because... I've been a little bit more physical than usual. And I, uh, this is going to sound so ridiculous, I think, but that's okay. I'll go with it. Anyway, I'm in physical pain and I can hear my brain starting to go, you know, of all times to do that. I, that's still with me. You know, a resentment is a re-feeling. That's what a resentment is. And it has nothing to do with the moment. It has everything to do with these, these places for me where I didn't, I, I wasn't acknowledged, I wasn't seen, I wasn't heard, I wasn't considered. And this is how I must be feeling, but I don't recognize that yet. I have a really hard, dif a difficult night. I'm in a bit of self-pity. I wake up, I'm like, man, I don't really think I, I'm like really in a lot of pain. How am I supposed to show up in program when I'm in so much pain? You know, luckily I have a husband who's also in program. And, uh, and we started chatting and just, you know, eventually I was done. I'm like, it's an hour out. I just have to be quiet for a moment. Within, within really seconds, I, I got do a 10th step. I started doing a 10th step and within minutes I was feeling better. And, uh, and the pain is gone. 
So I am really grateful for pain. I don't like it when it's happening. And I think I have to do something. I'm doing something wrong. I need to do more, more prayer, more outreach. What am I, what am I missing that I'm in so much pain? Because now I know pain is an indication of something deeper. But I just couldn't access it. When you're in the throes of it, when I'm in my own delusion of thinking I have any power over anything, <laughs> it doesn't go well at all. So luckily, the 10th the step, you know, so I just did it. It took me like five seconds. Well, not five seconds, maybe a few minutes. I don't even know where my notebook is. Oh, here's my notebook. And I just saw all this self, 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 self. I had a fellow reach out to me. Beth, do you have a few minutes to chat? I don't have a few minutes to chat. Are you kidding? I'm in pain. I can't help you. Yeah, I didn't say that, but that's my my thinking is so sick. So, you know, a lot of us come from the big book or, you know, of AA. That's our the founding of the, the first of the 12 steps. And I really believe that if when when I've done this, when I've changed the word drinking for thinking, it applies every single solitary time. Hmm. It is my thinking that gets in the way of everything. And my thinking is from everything I've learned. It's my conditioning. It's being a human being. How do you get away with that? How do you get away from that? You stay connected to a power that's, you know, has to be two things. It has to be not me, and it has to work. This is as simple as that. And that's how it works for me. And I don't really know if we ever finished that story about the bird seed, I mean, the, the grass seed. But what happened was there was a, an internal shift, an internal, you know, my sponsor says, God's either going to change my perspective or going to change the situation. My perspective changed. Another round of grass seed came, went on and then one more time. And then, then the situation changed, never again. That's how it works for me. So that that's awesome. And thank you. I, I think that story definitely highlights like the process that some of us are familiar with of like these little realizations of the messages our bodies are sending us, you know, along the way and, and maybe some of our misinterpretations and getting to the bottom of what they are and all that. Um, I'm curious. Okay. So somebody decides, Hey, you know what? I, I, I think maybe I do struggle with some of this and I'm interested in going to, to a CODA meeting and they, they get there. Is there a specific bottom line or, or, or rule around it? Like for Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You don't touch alcohol and for Narcotics Anonymous, they have their rules of, you know, what's unacceptable for, you know, clean time as they usually refer to it or abstinence. Um, what is, is there a single defined definition of this in CODA or is it more person to person? You kind of work around whatever trouble behaviors you have. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, it is individual. There isn't the bot. It's so easy uh, to just, it's not easy to just not drink. We all know that, right. but it's one thing to focus on. And then, you know, with uh, AA, you, we're powerless over alcohol is, you know, as we all know, is step one. And then there's never anything about alcohol again. It's really all about how do we connect with the power that helps us in life. Not, and, it, and it's a miracle that I don't have an obsession to drink is a miracle. It's, an, it's a miracle in CODA for me that I, I don't have the obsession to control people and, um, and even to control myself a lot of the time. It's a miracle. But, but it is a moment 
by moment. There's, you know, it's, it's CODA is the emotional relapse of AA. You know, when you're in emotional relapse, CODA is for is will work for you. So, um, okay. The the original question was, is there one thing? I, the, my experience in that working with you know working with a with a sponsor and also working with sponsees is the one thing is stop making yourself wrong just stop making yourself wrong about anything and also the other side of that is stop making yourself right you know so there it seems like such a you know there's the there's the the pendulum that has to swing. I just I used to say so for one of the one of the things it depends on that personality. Most of us have one type of personality or another. We're either right about everything, we're righteous, you know, that's the Bill W guy who's just you know, so sure about everything and I'm going to be you know, saving the world and making all this money. And then there's the person who just um is quiet and um kind of a, a follower so there's the leaders and the follower personalities and the the person who's the follower usually has to stop saying they're sorry because the bill w that i hate to say that about bill w but that's just that's his general personality you know he was a he was the the power over oh let me put it this way there's power over and there's power under i lived with power under Error. I was afraid of authority. I was afraid of being right, and I was always wrong. So I lived in power under. And then there's the people who love to power over, and they bully, and they, you know, yell, and they they make pe- they stop people in their tracks by being mad, maybe. And and the program is um, about power with. How can we be in power with my inner strength, my higher power, my my lover, my friend, my, you know, my coworker. And so it is such an individual thing, but in Codependence Anonymous, just like other programs, you will learn. It's a program of self-discovery, learning to love the self. So I would say if you're somebody who says you're sorry a lot and feel less than, stop saying you're sorry first. Just stop saying you're sorry. When I was given that instruction, I think I, I don't remember exactly, but I think she said six months, don't say you're sorry to anybody. Mm-hmm. What a realization that I said it about everything all the time. It kept me in such a, a low self-worth place. I was sorry about my existence, you know. And then whatever your first thought is, turn it around because it's probably wrong. Um, you mentioned going to Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, wow, Al-Anon probably has a lot of, you know, crossover material with CODA. Uh, just it doesn't require your person to be an alcoholic necessarily. And then I started thinking of like, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with this program or not, but there's a program called Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous that has a lot yep. of carryover and crossover with CODA as well. So what, uh, and, and if you are familiar with these programs, you mentioned Al-Anon, but what are the differences or maybe the subtleties or nuance that could tell somebody, oh, CODA's right for me as opposed to an Al-Anon or an SLAA or something like that? Right, yeah. Um, you know, I'm so grateful that I can claim my seat in many programs because 
I'm actually really grateful for what got me to the program, and that was a you know miserable relationship with an alcoholic, because otherwise I wouldn't. I don't know that I would have found my way because I've tried so many ways, and so it's a uh, you know you don't ha- the the thing about it is is you know if you uh, want to be an AA you have to have you have to say that you're powerless over alcohol you have a drinking problem or you don't want to quit drinking, and with Al-Anon you have to know somebody right. Same with same with uh, sex and love addiction. It's all these relationships that we're having specifically sp- specific to intimacy. And uh, but um, in Coda, it's just if you. I think everybody who wants to know themselves, anybody who wants a better life, can qualify. It's about healthy and loving relationships, and that's with yourself, with what you call a higher power. If you even have one, you don't even have to have one, as you know, with other people, with systems of the world, with the government, with politics, with anything. Now, those other programs will allow you to get there. Also, if you go deeper, all these, you know, for some people, it's just enough to stop drinking. And other people want to be happy. I'm somebody who desperately wanted to feel what happy really was. And... um now I do. And now I can't tolerate other than happy. I mean, it's kind of funny. I can tolerate it because I can feel it, but I I have to get out of it quickly. And I don't get out of it by making somebody wrong. I don't get out of it because that feels good. It feels powerful. It's about wanting some control over my life. That's why I did all those things. That's why I, that even even submitting is a sense of control for me. And it makes me feel like I have anything to do with anything. Because otherwise, who am I? Uh, I never thought about codependency with a higher power when you mentioned that. Now, um, how how does that work? Because I know in, so I did AA 12 steps and now I'm in recovery dharma. But, you know, like everybody, I guess in, in the AA that I went to, so many people were living for their higher power. That sounds just like codependency. Um can you talk more about that? Like you said, you in in the CODA program, you need a healthy relationship with your higher power. I don't. I don't. I think that's really interesting because. So is the question? Um, uh, can we be codependent with a higher power? Is that the question? Kind of. I think so. I, I just want to know what that looks like and what the bad version versus the good version looks like. Are you guys with me? Or is it like? Um, Except for bad and good don't exist, but yeah, okay, generally okay. I'm with you. <laughs> Healthy or unhealthy? Should we call it that? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really actually fantastic question. Well, I'm not really sure how to it. I have, my brain goes to a lot of different places in it with it. You know, as I as I think about it and I start to speak about it, I think you guys it's it's the same in all twelve steps. The codependence anonymous twelve steps is exact and the twelve traditions are exactly the same. The only difference is in 12 steps, we are admitted we were powerless over others, but we still, that our lives had become unmanageable. Is my life unmanageable? If it is, it's because I'm relying on self to manage it. The problem, you know, you can't solve the problem at, at the level of the problem, and the problem is my brain thinking I know anything. And But it's like, wait a minute, I know things. Wait a minute, I have a manageable life because I, I worked. You know, I did work for a long time and I 
you know, wasn't in debt after I got out of debt. And I, I learned how to be okay in life. And I thought it was okay. I was teaching yoga. You know, I was eat, I was a vegetarian for a long time. And, and uh, you know, I, it looked on the outside like everything was beautiful and working well for me. My husband was adorable. He was a musician. I never talked about the addiction. And, uh, and so it looked really good. So when I, but on the inside, it's all about the inside. If I am not happy, I mean, it just keeps coming down to that. But who is happy all the time? Nobody. It, nobody's happy all the time. We're human beings. But we can, with a higher power, let me say it this way. I, I really love the frog analogy. I think it's a Christian thing, but uh, but I don't really care. I just remember some guys walking around with a T-shirt in one of the rooms, frog, fully relying on God. And now I'm so excited to get a tattoo of a frog because I want a reminder because I will forget and I will I will be re- I will be relying on you. I will be relying on me. I'll be relying on the government. I'll be relying on. I'll be relying on my husband. I'll be relying on a doctor. I'll be relying. And you think, well, why wouldn't you rely on the wisdom of a doctor? Or why wouldn't you rely on the wisdom of somebody who's been in the program longer? Or why wouldn't you? And it's because also in the big book, it says no human power could relieve our suffering. So it's only the power that's outside of this realm in my brain, in my opinion, there is a, there's a, there's a power that is outside of everybody and everything. And it's it's not corporeal. It's an incorporeal experience. It's not some guy in the sky with a big beard. And I mean, you know, even Santa Claus is, I'm checking my list. I'm checking it twice. Have you been naughty or nice? I don't want to live in that realm any longer. I want to live in the realm of whatever it is that makes life okay, that brings the sun up and the moon up every day. The, the thing that... The thing that makes my mailman come to to my mailbox every day. I, I trust in the mailman more than I used to, than in a higher power. And um, and now I'm learning to trust in a power to even, like, some days I'll just be sitting there and I'll go, okay, now what? Do the dishes. So I'm bringing my higher power with me to the dishes, and it makes the dishes experience much better. You know, that I, I mean, it's a silly sounding little thing, but it's everything for me today. So am I codependent on my higher power? Absolutely. You know, it's kind of like in the, in, in the rooms of uh, AA. I remember people say, Beverly, you're addicted to AA. I'm like, well, it's a better addiction than alcohol. You know, I mean, it's about it's about a. Uh, it's about relying on, and so I don't know. Sometimes I make mistakes. I never used to be able to make mistakes because I was a perfectionist. I couldn't dare to make a mistake. I couldn't dare for you to see me making a mistake. And uh, and so with my higher power, some, sometimes I don't get it right. I hear a message. I, this morning I heard do a 10 step. My first thought was, well, how's that going to help anything? I'm in so much pain. But I now today I know to just to sit down and do it. I can usually do it in my head pretty quickly, run through it, same ten step as you guys. But I wrote it down because I was in a lot of pain, and really within minutes, I'm seeing where I am uh, selfish. Of course, I'm selfish. I want 
pain to end. I'm selfish. This woman, this fellow is asking for help and I can't be there for her because I'm in my own pain. Where am I in self-pity? Well, if you had my pain, you would be too. You know, where am I in uh, self-seeking? It needs to be different. This has to be different. I cannot handle the pain. It has to be different. I'm going to have to cancel the CODA meeting, you know, the CODA interview. Where am I in, a, you know, self-doubt, well, and self-sabotaging, self-esteem? Where am I un feeling unsafe? Where am I in self-relying? Where am I dishonest and inconsiderate and afraid? All of those places is me. And so where do I go? I have to give me up to, to a power that's not me. And normally when that happens, I get clarity. And clarity is king. So my husband went downstairs to be quiet because he was like painting in his room. But now he started up the um, he started up the lawnmower, I think. Can you hear it? No. Okay, good. All right. All right. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, Jenny, about am I codependent with a higher power? I, th I think the answer is I'm interdependent with a, with a higher power. But for a little while, I had to be really relying on that uh, power before I can feel any wisdom coming through myself. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it does. to say there's the pendulum that swings you know at first i hated myself and then i love myself that i didn't care what you thought about me you know and now there's this more middle place of i care about me and actually i care about you what's going on with you about me i mean there's this middle place and so that was the same thing with the higher power i had to do so many four steps on my higher power because what kind of higher power would give me the life that i had i mean really i was so very mad at my higher power for many, 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 many years. It's just really in the last, I would say like three or four years that I started realizing, oh, there it, it says right here, came to believe that a power, oh, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, as we understood God. The care of God, I, I didn't think there was any care in God. I thought God was judging and punishing me and you know, I thought I had to suffer in order to, I had to sacrifice in order to prove my worthiness. Mm -hmm. It's all crap to me today. <laughs> what kind of uh, what kind of misconceptions have you run into that people have about either the CODA program or codependency, the idea of codependency in general? And what, what kind of things, like how do you, do you bother to correct them or, or try to inform them? Or do you just kind of let people have their assumptions or? Yeah, it's the same with everything else. It's it's uh, attraction rather than promotion. And um, I show up at meetings and people ask me if uh, they could call me. That's why I always have my phone number on my screen. I invite anybody to call me at any time. And um, and, I, and I, I work with people, but I do not any longer spend energy on letting people know about... <clears throat> a solution that they're not actually interested in. I, I don't spend any more time on that. I used to do that all the time. Well, 
this is what you have to do. This is how you have to do it. I mean, when I first came into 12 steps, I thought everybody needed to be in 12 steps. But this is not the only path. There's other paths. They just didn't work for me, you know. So, um, and who knows what's what's to come? I don't know. I, I'm always wondering, wow, look, look who I am now. I wonder who I'll be in a year from now because I'm constantly different. So, no, I, I don't uh, offer... I'm very open about recovery when I'm talking to people. I I will say, you know, like as far as food is concerned, because now I'm in OA, I'll say, oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't eat that. Oh, why don't you eat that? Well, I realize that it doesn't, that doesn't work with me and my body. I, I you know, wow, how'd you know? I, and I'll say, well, I learned that in OA. I, I used to be really afraid of food, so I would restrict for days because I would be so afraid to eat and now I'm not afraid to eat. And it's, it's a miracle, mm-hmm. you know? So I do, I'm very open about all of my 12 step programs to people who are interested. If I see that there's a little opening and interest, I might say I do, but I never say you do because no, I didn't want to hear that. You told me what I had to do, how I had to do it. I wasn't interested until I was at such a bottom so uh, until I was at such a bottom that I had no place else to go. So for me, my first higher power, even though I thought I knew God, was my sponsor. I gave her every, I gave me to her completely. I was told, come to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to trust it. You don't have to know it. You just got to do it. So get a sponsor and then the hardest part, do what they say. Well, what if they tell me to jump off a cliff? <laughs> you know, that is a sponsor. What makes a good sponsor? A sponsor is a motivated sponsee. If, so I stopped questioning and I started asking, what do you want me to do now? Now, what do you want me to do now? And now what do you want me to do? Because it, it doesn't take very long to start seeing results. I have a new person that I'm working with in CODA. She's only been in the program a few months, but she can't. T- she's still on step one, still thinking she has some power over a bunch of stuff in her life and justifying the hell out of it. That's okay. That's step one. We stay there until there's a realization, an understanding, a submitting, a, a surrender to the idea that, oh, my God, my life is unmanageable. I mean, I most people can understand that they're they can grab a hold of their life as unmanageable. They can't really grab a hold of their powerlessness. But it's an important step. And um and so the reason I bring uh that person up is because um I can sense not because I can sense and not because I've been doing this for a little while, but because a higher power gives me that sense. It's a sixth sense of living, you know. I can sense she wants it very, very badly, and yet she's still arguing for her limitations. So I'm not going to say, you're done. You know, I'm done with you because you don't want to just listen to me. I'm going to be with her right where she's at because there's still a sense of, she can already tell what a difference. She doesn't understand it. I go, you don't have to understand it. It's not time to understand. You're in step one. I'm, well, I'm confused. I don't know why. You don't have to know why. You're in step one. Step one is not a fun place to be. There's still a lot of confusion in that. So... um yeah, I don't. I don't remember what the original question was. So but. I had a kind of question about the step process or your experience with the steps in Coda. 
Uh, do they have like a step working guide? Do they go off dittos? Is it just, is there any writing involved? Like what's the step process in CODA look like for you? Yeah, thank you. Well, it's different for me for now because, but when I first started working with CODA, we worked this book here. Hmm. And look at this, to thy known self be true. It still has our, has our, you know, so it's a discovery, recovery, self-respect thy own self be true so there is there's you know there's a little reading for each step and then there's questions like for instance in step one am i controlling at that step one people do not know this they're just reading the material and then writing the answers exactly as they've just read and that's appropriate that's okay you know <laughs> you know what does surrender mean why do I need to surrender? Over what do I need to surrender? There's a lots of really wonderful questions for each step. And so people just, uh, and then I have one CODA uh, sponsee who's gone through all that and everything. And, and now we're working through a really beautiful book. It's a Richard Rohr book, Breathing Underwater. And it's a, it's a 12 step uh, recovery uh, focus. And it's a really, really, so now we're doing that and, you know, this program is very, it, it can go, it's endless in the discovery of self, because I believe that until we really truly know who we are, which is already everything we've ever, ever wanted um, in life, we will seek. And I want to, I want to say this a quote from, uh, I heard it from Rupert Spira, but I don't know if it's his, but he said, um, the thing that we're looking for we cannot find by seeking, but only seekers find it, and that's us. That's 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 awesome. I, I was thinking about the sponsee or, or the prospective sponsee that asked about, you know, what if my sponsor tells me to jump off a cliff? And I was thinking the answer to that is, well, if you do, you probably qualify for CODA. <laughs> like, if you're exactly, <laughs> if you're willing to jump off the cliff or something. Right. Right. So also in this little work, in this workbook, there's uh, characteristics and uh, of, in step four, patterns and char characteristics of codependency. So there's, let's see, we have denial patterns. I'm just going to read a few of them mm. off. Would that be all right? Yeah. Okay. Great. So denial patterns, you have a, a difficulty identifying what they're feeling, you know, that, that was me, only happy. Mm. No, no, I really am only happy. I never fight with my husband because... He's perfect. I don't know. I mean, it's just such a delusional state of being. Um, perceives themselves as completely unselfish and dedicated to the well-being of others. <laughs> you know, trying to save the planet and everyone on it, in it, and all the animals and everything. Lack empathy for the feelings and needs of others. That, you know, I'm a very, uh, I'm an empath. A lot of codependents are empaths, and I, I had no problem with feeling the feelings of others what i had a problem with was thinking that they now it's my responsibility to deal with their problems you know just a real false sense of responsibility a high expectation of myself and perfectionism that was completely unachievable i'm just a human being another bozo on the bus doing the same stupid thing as everybody else on the planet you know i'm no better i'm no worse i'm just exactly like everyone i just have a deep desire to live a a peaceful and useful life and uh 
I was just looking for it in every other way than I really resisted the higher power thing. So, okay. And then there's low self-esteem patterns. There's a whole bunch of them. Have difficulty making, admitting a mistake. Okay, making a mistake is different than admitting a mistake. I could never admit I was making a mistake, you know. Look to others to provide their sense of safety. I would say at the core of one of my issues in codependency is safety, never feeling really safe. And um, I didn't know that I didn't fit in until I came to the 12 steps and my all my all my coping mechanisms were taken away. And then I'm like, now I'm just left with me and my body and I'm so uncomfortable in every situation in my life. So it's about learning to get comfortable in my own skin in every situation, knowing when to walk away, knowing when to run away, you know. Extremely loyal, remaining in harmful situations too long, you know. And that's this, that is also straight from the book. The big book is we put ourselves in positions that later caused us harm. So I just want to say control patterns, you know, use charm and charisma to convince others of their capacity to be caring and compassionate. <laughs> I used to have a friend who used to get so mad at me, Beverly, you just flitter around, bubbly Beverly, you just flitter around getting all this attention. I had no idea that was me just really just trying to be seen you know i didn't know that it was, it was harming her and her relationship with her husband because now he's looking at me it's like you know that's harming to my friend it's it wasn't a very nice thing to do i'd be all flirtatious and everything and uh, yeah and then avoidance patterns suppress their feelings or needs to avoid feeling vulnerable you know avoid emotional physical or sexual intimacy as a way to maintain distance, uh, withhold expressions of appreciation. I used to not be able to take compliments. Oh no, you know, this old thing or, yeah, I just couldn't take a compliment. Today I can take a compliment and say thank you instead of what's wrong with you for thinking that, you know. Good, because you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a great job. Yeah. I, I wanted to read this just because I, I feel like it's a good paragraph about the, the program. It says CODA defines codependency as a pattern of behavior characterized by a compulsive need to control and care for others to the detriment of one's own well-being. This can manifest in a variety of ways, such as constantly seeking approval or validation from others, avoiding conflict or difficult emotions, sacrificing one's own needs and desires to please others and feeling responsible for the happiness or success of others. In CODA, codependency is seen as a learned behavior that can be unlearned through self-awareness, personal growth, and support from others in the program. CODA aims to help members break free from codependent patterns and develop healthier, more fulfilling relationships with themselves and others. Interesting, um, which seems a little bit different from a, some of the other 12-step programs, right? Maybe not as different from Overeaters Anonymous. Um, but this idea of seeing the behavior as a learned behavior that can be unlearned through self-awareness, personal growth, and support from others, which sounds a little different than, than like that spiritual void we kind of talked about earlier, even though it might necessarily come from the same place. I, I kind of like the way they talk about the behavior. Did did that help you any when you were coming into CODA? Like this idea of unlearning it as opposed to just 
you know, I think some of us struggle with this. I'm bad and I, I don't want to be a bad person, but an un, a learned behavior doesn't sound like I'm a bad person. It just sounds like I got taught wrong. Right. Exactly. It, 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 uh, so it's kind of when I'm, when I'm hearing you say that, I mean, I'm absolutely agreeing with everything that you're reading. I'm thinking that's kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, let's just change the behavior. And it is true. It's kind of like, um, so in these patterns of uh, characteristics of uh, codependency, all of those things help me to survive. Just like alcohol helped me to survive. Just like food soothed me a bit to survive. Every one of my addictions, you know, helped me. They were coping mechanisms in order to feel okay about myself. And um, and so in the 12 steps, one of the ways, in this particular book, the 12 steps and traditions of, of CODA workbook, there, one of the ways that you can, there's several ways to work the, the step four. One of them is to go through each one of these and hang out there for a little while. My low self-esteem pattern. Where, so having difficulty making decisions. So, you know, just with that one little bit of awareness, you go around the next week and you think, you, you have this in your head. Am I having difficulty making decisions? Right down to what am I going to wear? It's not about the motive. Oh, well, they think I look pretty in this or fat in this or whatever. It's more about just am I having difficulty making decisions? And so, and, and the question is, how do I harm myself or others in having difficulty making decisions? How do I harm myself or others? So I didn't even know what I wanted to eat. When we go out to eat, I always said I didn't care. I don't care whatever you want to eat. And one time one girl got mad at me, one of my friends said, Beverly, don't, I, I just want you to make a decision. So I said, okay. Okay, I want Italian. And then she said, oh, I don't want Italian. <laughs> that just reaffirmed that my decision-making is bad, you know, wrong. And so uh, so that was way before recovery. And then I submitted again and just went wherever she wanted to. And uh, I used to have a lot of heavy power over relationships in my life. And now I just have power with, and it's lovely. So, um, but so yeah, there is, there is behavioral change. And... It, but it's I don't see it that different than um, okay, and I want to say it differently. There is change that has to happen, just like in any other twelve steps. There's only one thing you have to change, and it's everything. I need a personality change that can change, but there's always this. Uh, in the even though I have a lot of healing and I have a lot of strength and I have a lot of courage and I have a lot of self-worth and self-esteem, those little voices of the past, like this morning, would try to get me into avoidance. So avoidance and something's wrong with me and now I'm starting this pattern again and I'll she never tell my story ever, ever, ever again. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But instead of forcing myself just to show up, I have to get quiet and hear and live in the solution. The solution for me is the program. And it looks a little different. Sometimes it's call somebody. Sometimes it's, you know, it, but it's always the program. There's really isn't, it, it's stop blaming myself. It's, it's, 
so that's a behavioral change is, oh, I, the 12 steps for me changes my behavior. It's not a forced change behavior. Like I would, like I, um, like saying, stop saying, I'm sorry. Start saying thank you when somebody compliments me. Those are behavioral changes that I had, that I was super uncomfortable with. And so there's a part of that little bit of uh, just do it, even though you don't get it, even though you're uncomfortable with it, even though you don't want it, just do it. So I don't know if that um, addresses your question, but I do think it change behavior in order to change, yeah. I think it definitely does. And just keeping an eye on time here, Bev, we're, we're getting close to the end. So I, I want to say that I am looking on coda.org. That is C-O-D-A dot O-R-G. That is the hub for probably finding meetings and, and any information anybody wanted to know that maybe they didn't hear today. Um, if somebody did hear something today that really felt relevant to them and maybe they wanted to go check out a CODA meeting, is that the easiest place to find where all the meetings are? Is there a better... Is there somewhere else you want to send people to, to to look for information, or is that the main spot? That is the main spot. Uh, there's also, if you go to codependency, you're gonna lots of stuff is gonna uh, come up. There's a there's a, where the founders are from, or Phoenix, Arizona. There's a whole website there. I can't remember exactly what it is. I could probably figure it out. But um, there's a lot of good podcasts with speakers, and who will probably you know, tell your story if you're interested. And, um, but coda.org is the main place. I understand that they are revamping their website and their user. And, uh, and so it's a little wonky sometimes, but, um, I was uh, on there. I found it super useful and it was pretty easy to navigate. So they had a lot of good frequently asked questions. They had a lot of good literature and information on there. So I found it easy to work with. Okay. Oh, I'm super happy to hear that. Yeah, there's so much good information on there. The meeting portion is uh, can be a little bit difficult to yeah, navigate moment, yep. but uh, but yeah, there's so much good information and um, yeah, and there's meetings every day, all through the day. Take my number. Feel free to call. You know what I saw on the website when I was looking at it this week was um, Coda has the 30 second rule. I don't know about this in any other 12 step. There was a, that comes out what of a whole it? pamphlet about how to handle difficulties in like a group uh, conscious setting. And they have this 30 second rule. I, I know sex addiction meetings have a three second rule, but I think that's going to be something very different <laughs> than this 30 second rule. So I'm just, I'm curious, what is the 30 second rule? Is it like wait 30 seconds before you respond? Or? Beverly, do you want to describe that 30 second rule? And have you ever used it in a meeting? Uh, I have seen it used. I've not used it myself, uh, and I do, is it. I don't know if it originates from Coda, but the idea about it for me is: let's take a moment and get just get quiet and reorient. Try to find another perspective without trying to find another perspective. Sometimes you just gotta stop the insanity by stop talking. Yeah, it's that, it. it the way I read it, it sounded like thing. anyone can just call like a timeout, basically, mm. to, to kind of stop. <laughs> right. When you were telling the story about your process of like last night and the painting in the room and, and, you know, this morning and being in pain and having to like kind of stop it, it reminds me of that 30 second rule. And yes. it reminds me just generally that like all the 
growth I've had in my life has come really from stopping and stepping back, right? Whether it's meditation, whether it's a form of breathing that, to enable my parasympathetic nervous system and calm down all that, you know, craziness going on. That's where I've always found. And that's what I've heard you say today is like where I found my peace is from like stopping that roller coaster of whatever I used to do and just just stopping for a minute, just finding some stillness. And then things seem to come to you from there. And that's been my experience, too. And that I don't know, maybe that's what the 30 second rule kind of is. Just like slow everything down. I believe it is. I've seen it mostly in group conscience meetings because hmm. that's where there's a lot of heated exchange oftentimes. And it works very, very, very well. It's like you just say, you know, like that. I like to ask for 30 seconds and, and then everybody just stops. You know, it seems like that would be a fantastic, a fantastic behavioral change. Like every hour, take 30 seconds, you know, and just stop wherever you are. Just take 30 seconds, see what comes. Because it is that other realm you know, the sunlight of the spirit is not of this realm. And, you know, our brain, my brain is like a computer. It takes it in and wants to process and spits it back out. That's not the realm of the spirit. And I'm trying to tap into that realm because that's where the, all the answers are. So that uh, I love the way you said that, Jason, just, you know, just get quiet for a moment. And that's where the answer emerges. It doesn't take long, but it does take practice. Mm-hmm. So if you're just starting... And you're just starting trying to get quiet and your mind is going a million miles an hour. Just keep doing it. So I, I love what my sponsor now says. Uh, I hear, well, there's two things. One is, you know, we always say, keep coming back. She goes, just don't leave. Even if you're in a real, just don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Because when I go out, I don't come back for a little while, you know. And then the other thing she says is, uh, P-M-S-S-S. This is the way to a peaceful and useful life. Prayer and meditation is P. You know, I do it every day. Pray and meditate before I wake up and before I go to bed. I pray and I'm quiet for just a little while. It used to be long periods of time. Now it's just a little bit here and there. Uh, meetings. Go to meetings. You know, they say meeting makers make it, but really step workers make it, in my opinion and people who continue working the steps. And then prayer, meditation, uh, meeting, PMS, get a sponsor, and um, S, work the steps. So I work the steps with a sponsor always. I mean, I've been in program a little while, but I always have a sponsor who... Recording in progress. Yep. Oh. Ah, Do we have her? I think so. <laughs> Beverly? Yes, I am here. Oh. I've never. You guys keep leaving me. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have really big abandonment issues, but uh, oh no! I'm glad, I'm glad you've worked on that. <laughs> now I just laugh at the whole thing. It's like, oh my god, it's so hysterical. 
So we, we heard the prayer and meditation, meetings, uh, sponsors, steps. What was the last S? Is it service? Service. Yeah. Okay. Even if it's just coming to a meeting. But ultimately, it will be the only requirement for getting through step 12 is to go pass it on. Do it, you know, give it to somebody else. Right, right. So we, we do have to, to wrap up here today, Bev. We really appreciate you coming on. Apologize for some of the, the technical difficulties. We're getting used, used to our new space that we're in and trying to get all that set up right. But thank you so much for the information. Uh, anybody who's heard something you could relate to, you can find more at coda.org. That's coda.org. Um, and, and maybe everyone who listened to this can go into their workplace tomorrow and, you know, uh, stand up once an hour and just tell everybody that we're going to have 30 seconds of silence and it won't be awkward at all. And, you know. Have fun with that, everyone. <laughs> uh, but, Bev, thank you again for coming on and sharing so much of you with us and, and about the, the CODA program. Hopefully that will help us all move forward and keep growing and learning. Thank you, Jason, and thank you, Jenny, and thank you, Billy. Thank you. If you were there, be more. It's been lovely to meet with you and uh, chat about the, the thing that really lights my fire today. So Awesome. Well, have a great week, Beverly. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.